my mom became pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And uh, while she was pregnant with me, her father, um, who was the local trash collector in the small town, uh, my mom was one of 15 children. But uh, her father drove into the small town square. There he spotted two police officers. Uh, he stuck a gun out the window and opened fire, killing one of the police officers and critically wounding another. And my grandfather was eventually captured and brought to stand trial. And he was facing the death penalty. Uh, and during the trial, my mom got up and testified to the jury that the reason that uh, her father had shot and killed that police officer was that the police officer had raped her and she was now pregnant uh, with me. You're listening to the On Call Show. Welcome, guys, to another episode of the On Call Empath. Uh, I have a very special guest with a unique story that just really, his uh, name is Nelson Tressler. He's the CEO of I Got Smarter, author of Unlucky Sperm Club uh, book. Nelson, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got to tell you, like I've had almost like 50 plus guests and I mean, your story just kind of blew me away, and uh, I want to thank you for being brave enough to come on this podcast to kind of uh, inspire everybody. And uh, so if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and, and just go ahead and let uh, us know a little bit about your, your story. Yeah. No, I've, I definitely, I've got quite the origin story. Uh, my mom became pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And uh, while she was pregnant with me, her father, um, who was the local trash collector in the small town, uh, my mom was one of 15 children, but uh, her father drove into the small town square. There he spotted two police officers. Uh, he stuck a gun out the window and opened fire, killing one of the police officers and critically wounding another. And my grandfather was eventually captured and brought to stand trial. And he was facing the death penalty. Uh, and during the trial, my mom got up and testified to the jury that the reason that uh, her father had shot and killed that police officer was that the police officer had raped her and she was now pregnant uh, with me. And, you know, that testimony worked. My grandfather's uh, first trial ended in a hung jury. However, he was uh, convicted in a second trial and ended up serving life in prison without the possibility of parole, where he ended up spending uh, 40 plus years uh, in prison. Um, and wow. Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah. So, uh, and I talk about a lot of that in, in the unlucky sperm club, there's a lot of, uh, twists and turns in that story. So I don't want to get into all of that now, but, sure. uh, yeah, sure. definitely, definitely some twists and turns there. So let me ask you, I mean, um, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, I, I just like backing up from the beginning, how was your childhood? Like before all this started, was it pretty, like uh, stable, or did you have a harsh t childhood uh, growing up? 
Yeah. So my mom, you know, had me when she was 15 years old. Uh, she eventually uh, turned 21 and ended up uh, meeting a gentleman who became uh, my stepfather. Come to find out that he was an alcoholic and very physically abusive to me and my mom. And, uh, you know, almost every day, uh, we had to deal with, you know, him being drunk and, Mm -hmm. and beating on either her or me or both. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually they had four children together. So now there's five of us. And, um, because of the lifestyle that they were living, a lot of the just basic needs of my, Mm -hmm. uh, brothers and sister, um, were falling upon me, uh, you know, waking up in three o'clock and, calming crying babies and you know all those sorts of things and you know because of that you know my mom would rather me stay home from school than uh, and help her than go to school and at mm-hmm. this time I hated school anyhow so I was you know happy to oblige her mm-hmm. uh, and but go ahead I mean you mentioned uh, that you had dys- dyslexia and and um, you've you failed the fourth grade. What was that like? I mean, uh, how did that affect you like moving forward? Yeah. I mean, it, it was hard because, you know, one, I wasn't going to school on a regular basis. And then, you know, two, having uh, dyslexia and not being able to read, write or spell, you know, school mm-hmm. was a miserable place for me. And then throw on top of it, you know, kind of uh, the situation that my family, you know, name meant and the circumstances surrounding that and having to deal with that with, uh, you know, kids, uh, you know, pointing and, and bullying and that and that sort of thing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. school school definitely wasn't a pleasant experience for me, uh, you know, definitely early on. Yeah, I, get, I can totally imagine that. I mean, a lot of trauma victims have, that are tuning in, um, you know, definitely, you know, growing up was like not easy. Um, in your case, I mean, you, you dealt with a suicide, also your mom's suicide uh, attempt, correct? She didn't, she attempted suicide? Yeah. So one day my, my stepfather was walking home drunk from a bar. Uh, there was someone else driving home drunk from that same bar. They ended up hitting and killing him. And Mm -hmm. as hard as life was with him for me and my mom and my family, you know, my mom, she had dropped out of school in the eighth grade, you know, never worked outside of the home. And now, you know, my stepfather gets killed and it pretty much leaves my Mm -hmm. mom with really no hope. And it was at that time that she decided that she was going to try to take her own life. And fortunately, she wasn't successful. But at that time, uh, you know, she was placed in a psychiatric hold. Um, and when she got out, she decided that, uh, she was not going to be able to care for all five mm-hmm. kids on her own. And that's when my family mm-hmm. kind of got split up and I went to go live with my grandmother, the, mm-hmm. the wife of the man who shot and killed the police officer. Wow. You know, th- this is probably one of the most, um, you know, uh, just s- one of the unique stories that I've had this far. And I don't know how you've actually got to the point where you are with a successful, uh, you know, business. And now you're, you know, you got your book out before I get to all that. Um, was there ever a point where you were just like, you know what, screw life, you know, I've had enough and just wanted to check out what kept you motivated to keep moving forward? Well, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, early life sucked, but I mean, I think ignorance is bliss. Sometimes I didn't realize that life was, supposed to be any different. So, uh, 
Um, you know, I, I never, I never uh, contemplated suicide or anything like that. I mean, um, I just kind of figured this was the way life was and mm -hmm. it was supposed to be. And, and yeah, just living kind of in ignorance. And, and, mm -hmm. and then when I started getting a little bit older and, and hanging out with some friends outside of my community, uh, and, and seeing how their lives were and, you know, how their families were, you know, that, that gift of contrast kind of kicked in there. And, and I started to realize that, you know what, life doesn't have to be like this. You know, everybody's dad's, you know, not an alcoholic and, and comes home and beats their mom or, or beats them. And, you know, I started to realize, you know, there, there's options out there. And, you know, at, at an early age, you know, I, I realized, you know, I didn't, I didn't like the way my life was headed, the direction it was headed. And I started to, um, think about where I was going to end up in the future. And one time a counselor came to our school and kind of talked about what we needed to do to get into college. And at this time, you know, I have dyslexia. I can't read. I can't write, can't spell, you know, and of the family that I came from, my mom's, you know, 15 brothers and sisters, only two had ever graduated from high school. None had ever gone mm -hmm. to college. But at this time I determined to myself is, Hey, I'm going to become that first person in my family mm -hmm. to graduate college. And that will change the direction of my life and mm -hmm. my eventual, you know, adulthood. And that's, that's what I ended up mm -hmm. uh, striving to do. So would you say that was like your tipping point where you were just like, okay, if I can just get to college, despite all you, the, the trauma that you've had and, and the learning disability, um, wh how, what was the point where you were just like at that tipping point where you're like, okay, I got to make a change. Was that before college or after? Yeah, no, it, it was before. Yeah. That, you know, be wanting to go to college and, and get that degree was kind of that, that gave me something to focus on. And that gave mm -hmm. me a goal, even though, you know, at that time in my life, you know, I didn't even really know what a goal was, but that mm -hmm. gave me that goal. And that gave me that hope that, mm -hmm. you know, things are going to get better. And I realized, you know, that, you know, a college degree, most, most people who graduate from college aren't opening the refrigerator door with no food in it. Like, you know, I had mm. been doing and, yeah. uh, you know, and I always thought, you know, if anybody's going to graduate college, you know, they're not going to turn out to be an alcoholic or mm -hmm. turn out to be, uh, abusive or anything like that. So I just kind of looked at that as if I could do this, then I'm not going to end up the way my stepfather was. And my family's not going to end up the way mm -hmm. our family was. So your mindset was, I mean, it definitely, you had a strong mindset. I mean, most people I know probably, I mean, just maybe would have gave it up. I mean, you had so many uh, obstacles, but in your unique situation, um, did you have any friends or family or a mentor or, or even a, did you see therapy or anything like that to kind of get over all of uh, your past? You know what, my, my grand, when I moved in with my grandma, she was my biggest fan, you know, from the day I was born, you know, when I, my mom was 15. So, you know, I spent the first few years living in her home. Uh, so we always had that connection. And my gram would always tell me, you know, from a very young age, you know, Nelson, you're going to make something of your mm -hmm. life. And, and I started to believe that. But mm -hmm. I mean, I think we can all kind of go through our lives and see people who have, you know, 
helped us head in a, in a better direction. When I was, you know, 10 or 11 or 12, I got placed into the big brother, big sister program Mm -hmm. and, uh, got placed with an incredible guy and, and Mm -hmm. his wife. And, you know, that kind of opened my eyes to even bigger Mm -hmm. and better things that were out there. And, you know, that gave me something else to shoot for, you know, some, Mm -hmm. some other, uh, you know, lifestyle that I hadn't Mm -hmm. ever been exposed to before. And that helped me. And, you know, I, I dated a girl through high school and got to see how their family acted and Mm -hmm. that, that kind of guided me. So there's Mm -hmm. all these different things that you're exposed to. And then it's just a matter of, you know, what you're taking away from that and, and what, you know, what you're going to shoot for. Now, just kind of switching gears here, like after you you kind of went through all of this, I mean, just to have like a normal life as far as dating, intimacy, and um, just getting a job, how, how did you go about going that route? Like, did you think that you were going to just work at a, just any job and, and did you have like a normal like child, like a girlfriend and, and things like that? Or how, did that affect it? Yeah, no, it absolutely affected. I mean, my family, you know, my grandfather had a garbage route and my uncle ended up taking that over and I worked on that garbage route, you know, every school holiday and summer since I was nine years old. Um, so uh, I was working on that. As as far as like relationships, yeah, I mean, I, I, a story I tell in my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club, um, mm-hmm. You know, your first, we had our, our first school dance where you actually picked up your date in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And I asked this girl uh, to the dance that I didn't know. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she said yes. And I remember me and my cousin, uh, you know, my, my mom didn't have a car at the time. So my cousin borrowed one of my aunt's cars and drove us. And he's 17 years old. And mm-hmm. we end up going and picking her up and I could tell her parents were really standoffish and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, her dad especially. And, um, they asked kind of the question like, Oh, who's driving you to the dance? Cause my cousin didn't come in to get her. And I'm like, Oh, it's my cousin. And as soon as they saw that, like they <laughs> went, excuse themselves to go talk to my date who was getting ready mm-hmm. and come to find out, you know, when they came out, I could tell you know, there was something going on and all of a sudden they say, well, you know what, uh, you know, she needs to be picked up a half an hour early because our family has a thing. And so we'll mm-hmm. pick her up. And I'm like, oh no, you know what, we'll just bring her home a half hour early. And they're like, no, it's mm-hmm. on the way. Well, you know, so we went to the dance, we had a good time and her parents came and picked her up a half hour early. And mm-hmm. well, eventually I ended up dating this girl and had a great relationship with that family. And, and mm-hmm. they were a huge influence in my life. But, you know, after a few years, they kind of came clean mm-hmm. on what that whole thing was about. They mm-hmm. weren't going to let her go with me because of who I was and, you mm-hmm. know, my last name and everything. And right. come to find out her dad followed us to the dance to make sure that me and my cousin <laughs> didn't pull off and rape her. And and wow. then uh, the whole thing was as soon as they found out it was my 17-year-old cousin driving us, that's when they came up mm-hmm. and said, we're, you're not allowed to come home with them. You know, we're going to wow. come pick you up and that's the only way you're going to go. Right. So, I mean, th- things like that happened, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and another story, uh, I ended up, you know, uh, dating, I guess, you know, if you can call it dating in sixth grade or something, uh, the granddaughter of, uh, the police officer that my grandfather, um, critically wounded. 
and unknowingly. And, uh, you know, I talk, again, I talk about this in my book, but, um, you know, we, I was at her house and her, she introduces me to her dad and her dad kind of takes her away for like five minutes and then pretty much tell, they tell Mm -hmm. me to, to get out of the house and she's not allowed to see me anymore. So yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting growing (laughs) up in that small town and had some of those uh, circumstances. So knowing everything that you know now, I mean, now you're, you know, obviously a founder, CEO, you have your own book. Um, looking back, if you, I mean, if you just hopped in a time machine and you go back uh, before all this, what was one thing that you would say that you, you wish you have known um, that might have helped you or during over the over this time? Yeah, you know what? I, uh, growing up, I, I, I would have loved to know how much potential was inside of me. Uh, and, and for that matter, in all of us, uh, I think, I think that's kind of the key with anybody taking control of their lives is to realize just how much true potential is in all of us. And all we have to do is start making those choices to realize that potential. Uh, you know, because I grew up, I felt like I was damaged goods and, Mm-hmm. Really, not only did, you know, a lot of the times I felt like I wasn't going to amount to anything. Mm-hmm. I had people telling me I wasn't going to amount to anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know I am definitely an outlier. Uh, you know, uh, the fact that yeah. I made it, you know, there's probably a thousand other people in, in similar situations that because of this, they don't make it. And yeah. that would be the message that I would tell people is, you know mm-hmm. what, uh, you've got the potential in there, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you realize that most successful people aren't necessarily smarter than anybody else. They just Mm -hmm. actually do the things that need to be done to get that success. Do you ever believe in the luck of the draw or like, why me? Did you ever have that mentality? I mean, cause not once have you mentioned anything about being a victim or, you know, somebody else's fault or pointing fingers. So I find that very commendable. So what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, well, luck, you know, but the title of my book is the unlucky sperm <laughs> club, you know, uh, right. Some people feel like it's uh, horrible luck that they were born into the family they were born into, or they were born with, you know, a disability like uh, dyslexia or or any disability for that matter. And you know, you you can look at that and and you can take a victim mindset. But as soon as you start giving blame to anybody else, anything mm-hmm. else, or anything else that ha- you give away control to fix that. And the mm-hmm. only way that it ever gets fixed is if they change or the economy changes or your parents mm-hmm. change or whatever. But when you take control of that, when you take a hundred percent control for your success, then mm-hmm. you can fix it. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, you get to give meaning to everything that happens to you in your life. And mm-hmm. if you get to give meaning to everything, why on earth would you give anything a negative meaning? And that's one of the things that I tried to do, especially in my adult life, is everything that's happened to me, no matter how hard it is, no matter what a struggle it is, I always try to dig in there and find, okay, what, why is this, you know, why is this happening to me? How is this strengthening me? How am I going to, you know, be better when I get on the other end of this? And I start trying to give everything a positive meaning. Mm -hmm. I I mean, even, even this, um, the circumstances of my birth and this whole story, before I decided to 
tell anybody about this. I told my wife, I moved, you know, I'm in, I moved away. Uh, I joined the air force and got out of that small town and I didn't want anybody to know this story. I didn't know, mm-hmm. want anyone to realize, you know, know that what my grandfather had done and, and how I kind of factored in, in that whole thing. I told my wife, but besides that, I told nobody, I didn't tell my mm-hmm. kids. I didn't tell my in-laws. But as soon as I decided that, hey, maybe this happened to me for a reason so that I can help other people, mm. you know, lift their lives up through my story, uh, mm-hmm. that's when I started to gather strength from it, when I started mm-hmm. to give it a positive meaning and saw that, hey, I was born into these circumstances so that I can show other mm-hmm. people that you can make it regardless mm-hmm. of what circumstances you find yourself in. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, and this is for all the trauma victims and, you know, empaths and highly sensitive people that are tuning in on this specific episode. I hope you guys are getting a lot out of it. Obviously, you can tell with, um, you know, Nelson's situation, he didn't look at his external environment. He kind of came to his own own self to to get through that despite what he was given, uh, the cards that he was given in life. So, and now you're inspiring people and which leads me to ask you, you know, uh, how did this, I got smarter. How did that start? Like did, what inspired you to, to, uh, start a business? Yeah. So, uh, I was, uh, an entrepreneur. I started a bunch of businesses and fortunately I was able to exit from those businesses. And I, you know, was sitting there thinking, okay, now what am I going to do with the rest of my life? It's, it's not in mm-hmm. me to kind of sit on the beach and, and watch the waves just roll in. I, it would drive <laughs> me nuts. So yeah. you, you kind of get asked that question. What would you do if money didn't matter? And, you know, I started to sit and think about, you know, I, I had become obsessed with goals. After graduating from college, I became obsessed with goals and personal development. And I've mm-hmm. really, you know, studied everything I could get my hands on for the last 20, 25 years. And I saw what a huge difference, one, it made in my life, but I also saw the difference that it made in other people's lives. And I would see people who were living lives that they they weren't necessarily happy with. And mm-hmm. I could look at that and see, you know what, if they could just make a couple different changes, a couple mm-hmm. different choices in their lives, uh, they could live a much better life. And I knew people struggled achieving goals. I mean, 92% of new year's resolutions fail within a month or so. Mm-hmm. So I knew there was a struggle there and, and a need for that. And, and I had studied it for 20 years and, you know, new year's day was my favorite you know, day of the year. I loved, you know, what, whatever goal program I was using, I would, I would sit down and, you know, really relish, you know, setting new goals and and shooting Mm -hmm. for big things and reflecting upon what worked and what didn't work. And even though there were good programs out there, I, I think there were a lot of people still falling short. And so I sat down, you know, for a couple of years and just designed this program that we call I Got Smarter. And then I uh, put it into an app so that it was very easy to use. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I and I priced it to where, you know, 10 bucks a month that anybody who wanted to change their life, anybody who wanted help achieving their life's biggest goals, you know, they could do it and, and money wasn't going to be a factor. Wow. And that, and that's what ignited, you know, everything else fell into place. And, you know, this is a really mer- remarkable story. And like I said, I've had a lot of guests on here and, uh, and this is inspiring personally to me. So just kind of wrapping up here, um, 
if you can kind of just speak to the person that's listening right now that has been through trauma, um, like whatever they're going through, um, what what would you leave us leave them with, and especially something that they can remember uh, when they leave this episode, um, something that may may helped you. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I, I hate to go back to the same thing, but things only have the meaning you're willing to give them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the traumas that we go through are very, you know, I, I'm definitely never going to make light of it. I, I've lived through some massive trauma in my life, but mm-hmm. where I started to be able to kind of turn things around and take responsibility for it was when I started to dig in there and, and tried to give it a positive meaning and mm-hmm. tried to see how it could, how it strengthened me and looking for ways that, you know, it helped me as opposed to the ways it, it was hindering me. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started to do that, and, and believe me, sometimes it took a lot of creative thinking to find mm-hmm. out how things, you know, uh, were going to benefit me. But if you dig hard enough and you dig long enough, uh, mm-hmm. you'll find something good. And, and, you know, the whole thing with my book, you know, it was to help people who feel like, you know, they're mm-hmm. a victim of their circumstances and mm-hmm. I, and you're actually not, you know, uh, you're a product of the choices that you're going to mm-hmm. make. And yeah. as soon as you start really realizing that you're in control of your success and you take absolute complete control of your success, that's mm-hmm. when you can do something about it. One of the favorite quotes that I have is a bird is not afraid to land on a branch for, mm-hmm. and fall because they don't put their faith in the branch. They put the faith in their own wings. Wow. And as soon as we start <laughs> doing that, as soon as we start putting that faith in ourselves mm-hmm. and we're not worried about other people or other things or anything else out there, when we, when we rely rely upon our own wings, that's when we can, you know, take flight and really start living that life that uh, we're destined to live. Yes. Very inspiring story. Um, you guys check them out. In fact, can you just tell us where we can find you and, and uh, anything you'd like to leave uh, where your contact information or your yeah. website? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, at nelsontressler.com, you can find everything there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club, is sold everywhere books are sold, but Amazon is probably the easiest place to find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the I Got Smarter app is on the uh, all the app stores, but you can also find that at uh, nelsontressler.com. Well, there you have it. I, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. It was a true honor. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I'm all fired up now. A great conversation, so appreciate <laughs> Absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah, and you're always welcome back. So with that said, guys, please stay tuned for the next episode. Let me know how I'm doing on the Apple iTunes Store, and with that said, we are out. You're listening to the On Call Impact.